0: Hello and welcome to Joe Talks Comics. I'm your host, Joe Loves Comics, and this is the podcast where I talk with friends about the comics I've been reading and enjoying lately, plus occasional solo episodes and creator interviews. And this episode, I've got another fun one lined up where I'm going to talk with Glenn Matchett about the comics we both read, read and enjoyed in October. It's going to be a bit like the one with Lauren I did, but for October, of course. And... As well as some of the halloween and horror books that we love and have read recently now by the time you're listening to this halloween's going to be gone it's going to be into november now but it's never a bad time to read some spooky comics they're, they're good all year round so let to talk about some recommendations that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the actual main segment so the first one is the all-nighter by Chips Adarsky, Jason you Price, Aligning, I think, sorry, Adich car That's a very fun read. It's such an interesting concept and it's just executed so well. It's free on Comixology, on Kindle, that sort of thing. If you have, like, Prime or Kindle Unlimited or Com- Comixology Unlimited or anything like that, really recommend checking it out. Um, Animal Man by Jeff Lemire, uh, travel foreman, Arts DPU, I think. That was a really interesting read. I did not know what to expect from that, but wow, it really surprised me. Something about it was—it was such an interesting read because it really didn't feel like a superhero book. It was very much like horror and sort of twisted like bodies. Um, it was yeah, a really interesting read. Oh, you well, know, Batman, One Bad Day, The Riddler. I've got that one on here because that was quite uh, speaking of, just in terms of how it was executed it was certainly just chilling with the quite grounded art by mitch mitch uh, mitch garage and yeah something about it, it was it still has that sort of inch of fantasticalness because like of coloring it feels sort of rich and I don't know, it's a really interesting balance between feeling realistic sort of feeling outlandish and It's a very interesting balance and of course if you like Tom King's work you definitely need to check that out. It's something that you'll probably like. The Closet that was by Tiny and uh, Gavin Fullerton, Chris Halloran, Tom Napper, Latino. I might not have said that right but sorry. Um, This is a very interesting short read. It's sort of like a graphic novella. Just if you want something quick but a bit spooky and it's got a very interesting concept. I know lots of people went into it maybe they thought it was too short, or... It's... Yeah, it's not for everyone, just in terms of how it's written. But I, I quite enjoyed it, and I would recommend trying it out. Deceased. Another sort of superhero read that was more horror-tinged. I absolutely love Deceased. I need to check out the sequels. I really hope we get an omnibus of it all someday. We get Tom Taylor, Trevor Harseen, Stefano... God... Oh, Godino... Sorry, Rain. Redo on inking, colouring, just, it just, it's so well done, the art, it's so it was of rich and dramatic and atmospheric and you really don't know why Tom Taylor's going to take the story, it's one of his best works, one of his favourites of mine, I just love, the Department of Truth, another one by Tony, and the artwork by Simmons is incredible, actually, we, we might have touched on this already in the segment, but why not, I'm saying it again now, so, uh, just put the car on lettering. It's just it's such a well done read it's worth mentioning twice the artwork wasn't my thing at first but it really grew on me and i just i'm absolutely enamored and captivated with it every single month that comes out i love it Philadelphia. that's one i've only read the first 12 issues of um i haven't read the rest yet but that was a very interesting good read it's about the sort of vampires and the artwork. it's got a very similar sort of painted style but it's very interesting i thought there were some interesting things in terms of history weaved into this without giving it away but i think it's also worth a try lots of good titles like that out these days well, i think this might one this one might have finished or it's going to finish soon i'm not sure little monsters another vampire one but very different um and i didn't mention but Kinadelphia is by ronley barnes and jason shaw alexander this is by little monsters that is Jeff Lerner, Justin Wynn. It's a very sort it's not quite the painted tone that Wynn has done before. It's black and white. It's more, um, how do you describe it? It's not so like painted. It's more, <clears throat> the lines are more sort of solid. And because the black and white, it adds all so whimsical quality to it. It's really interesting. I think that's returning this week. So I would recommend maybe picking up the first trade, picking up that issue and seeing what you think because I really enjoyed it. and I'm excited that it's finally returned. Lonely Receiver. That was one from a couple of years ago with Zach Thompson, Jen Hitman, Simon Ballard. That was a really interesting read. It was wild. It was slightly trippy, was slightly unusual. If you've read some other Zach Thompson's indie work, like oh, what's that one where I breathe the body? That was I read. I think I think I only read the first issue of that, but that was really freaky. This is. Yeah, the only receiver, I can't really say too much about it. It's hard to really describe it. I think you just don't need to check it out for yourself if you're interested. If you read the description, and it's all sort of like an examination of just love and love and breakups, and yeah, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely worth checking out. Oh, the me love in the dark. It's not young, oh hey, corona. Sean, um, I don't know how to say that, really late because apologise again for names but this was last year this was spectacular the art is absolutely gorgeous it's so rich and if you liked middle west if you haven't read middle west yet you should read that as well and also read this if me and davy didn't convince you enough last week by scotty Young king this is absolutely something you need to read sort of spooky and atmospheric it was so so well done just the visual storytelling and the way it's told the relationship the dynamic the Thing I just loved it, it's such a joy to read in a spooky way. Night of the Ghoul is just something that came up recently from Dark Horse in print. It first came out from Comicsology last Halloween. Again, the artwork by Francesco Francovia is just amazing, it's perfect for that sort of old school retro, like pop arty, not really pop art, but a sort of like retro film, horror film and the writing by Scott Snyder. Basically, there's so much about Scott Snyder that's good these days and worth checking out, especially now it's available in print or, like, The All-Nighter, available with Comicsology or Kindle Unlimited or Amazon Prime. Doctora, another one by Scott Snyder and Tony Mark Murray on the colours. This is a great action-packed read. I've only read the first arc. I need to read the second one. But yeah, it's, it's thrilling, exhilarating. It's got, it's like, a horror tinge to it. It's really fun, and the art is just awesome. Yeah, really worth checking out. I think this is going to be a movie or TV show, and that that will be fun if that ends up going forward, hopefully. Continuing that Scott Snyder cake, the last one, which is the oldest on here from several years ago now. This is from Art by Jock, colours by Matt Hollingsworth. This is one I only read this year, and it is simply spectacular. The art is just indeed spectacular. It's interesting. The writing, I finished the book and I was sort of like, oh, I mean, I I enjoyed that, but it was not like, mind-blowing. And then I read all the back matter that's included in the back of the trades, and what's included in the back of the issues, and Snyder, he goes into detail about what sort of um, caused all this, and not caused, but like, what sort of led to this, what gave him the ideas for this and i found that fascinating and it made me retroactively enjoy the book more knowing everything that went into it and its background and it's it was so interesting to read i just i love that about snyder that i've sort of discovered where even the silliest and i mean silly in an affectionate way because i love death metal when it's sort all of talks about those when it doesn't seem like there could be much sort of emotional or thematic value, and he's like, oh, Death Metal is about this, and method is about that, and I just love that, just putting everything means, has meaning to him, and I think I talk about this in an upcoming episode that, I rec- that I've already recorded, so you'll hear that soon, hopefully, but yeah. And also, good timing, in a way, me recommending Witches, because in image number seven, that's with an exclamation mark, there was a preview for some more Witches content that was in there, and I actually haven't read that, but I want to, and because it was such a great series. Rain, or well, more precisely, Joe Hill's Rain, by David M. Boer, Zoe, Zora Good, Chris O'Halloran, and Sean leal As far as I understand it, this is an adaptation of a, a novella by Joe Hill, and this was a very good read. It was a very deep read. I wasn't too amazed by the first issue. I mean, I thought the first issue was good, but then the further issues is when the emotional quality of it really hit home, and the artwork is perfect for that. It's so real and sort of not like gritty, is in dark and gritty, but it's in just sort of bleak. But then it's not like dark, so it almost has a, like a hopeful quality to it in terms of the lightness of the art. And yeah, that was just such a hard-hitting read. I need to pick up the it's out in hardcover now, so. I need to pick it up, you should pick it up. Yeah, really worth it. Of course, how could I do something like this without mentioning a sad man? After the TV show, they've been releasing the whole of the run in these like thick trades, the paperbacks where they got like twenty issues each. So I read the first one of those over the summer. And wow, it was it was great, it was an experience. Some of the issues a couple of issues in particular definitely fit into the Halloween sort of spooky horror read in terms of one of them or both of them was sort of a bit gross in a way but and it's interesting to see how they were touched up or not touched up but like improved or maybe changed with the show and i think this is another one that i talk about either with glenn or it must have been with glenn or someone else if i'm mistaken so maybe you'll hear it in a bit but again another one that's such a classic that it's worth mentioning twice shadecraft this was a short series. I think it's going to be coming back for a second volume eventually, but I'm not sure when that is. Joe Henderson, Lee Garbett, Tony Fabella, Simon Bernard. I loved the art in this. It felt like really like smooth and rich and like animated, and that was just such a great aesthetic. This was yeah interesting. I'm excited to see where it goes in the second volume, but the first volume was great. Again, there's not too much to say about it. You just need you just sort of need to try it for yourself and see what you think and privileged it that it's worth a read. Slumber. It's a very sort of comedy um, orientated horror read where it's sort of that more like whimsical, playful aspects of it where uh, it's, how, how do you even describe it? It's, it's about like Inception, but in terms of like Nightmare Hunters, that's what she's described as, and it's, again, I'm using the word wild a lot, but it, it was genuinely wild. First volume's out, but it is described as an ongoing series in the synopsis of the first issue, so hopefully we'll get more eventually because I would like that. It is, it's a wild, fun series. Stillwater, Chips of Darsky. Circling back, going full circle, so you open the cess with Chips of Darsky and we're ending it with him. Raymond K. Perez on art, like Spicer on colouring, Russ Witten on lettering. Again, that's a great creative team. A very wild series. Again, said it again. In Stillwater, nobody dies. That's not just a promise, it's a threat. I mean, come on. How can you not try it after that? It's coming to an end soon, I think 18 initials or so. So it'll be a good all-in-one read. Just the drama and the politics and how it's developed. It's been so great to read, and I can't wait to see how it ends. And now, just quickly, I want to also go over some of the comics that I enjoyed in October. Of course... No, I no mind. First one, again, do a powerbomb. If you're not reading this, you need to read it absolutely. And the, I mentioned this with Lauren and I might mention this with Glenn It needs to read it soon. Everyone needs to be reading this. When the trade comes out next year, it's just it's spectacular, it's exhilarating, it's wild, it's fun, it's emotional, it's heartbreaking, it's actually packed, it's just it's so 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 good. Everything I just, I love about comics, and it's one of my favourite series, not just at the moment, but just ever. Daniel Daniel Warren Johnson has absolutely nailed it, and Mike Spice on the colouring, it's just perfect. Ross original lettering, it's all such a fantastic, perfect package of comics. Batman 128, that's, again, Chip Zdarsky, such a fun read. It's something I just love about this run, it's so action-packed. Yeah, it's got such a strong emotional core and I think I must have mentioned this before, but especially with the art by Jimenez and Maury, where it is just absolutely beautiful to look at. I love soaking it in and just it's so, so good. And the backup by Zadatsky, Romero, and but, but uh, that was also great. So we're going to the backstory of and R it's just such an all round great title that's absolutely worth the five dollars or whatever it is. The I know the main titles like Batman I think it's gonna be hit or miss, but at the moment it's definitely a hit for me. Love sick number one by Luana Viccio. Again. If you're interested, this isn't gonna be something for everyone, but if you're interested, this is so well done. I absolutely love this and even though I, I almost didn't want to in terms of just just makes you feel off and icky, but then that's just to the subtocks to by the gorgeous art. And it's that interesting sort of like dichotomy there where it's such an interesting read I yeah it's it's something for sure it's an experience like I mentioned something similar with last week's episode but yeah it's absolutely worth checking out and also if you enjoyed this or you enjoyed Bon Arrow you need to check that out if you haven't already because that was such a great read yeah, the one of each year. I can't wait to see where this goes next and where she goes even further beyond this. Strange Academy Finals, number one. I won't say much about this because we did a whole episode of Strange Academy last week, but I have now read that issue and it's now been out and everything and I'm happy to say it was a good read. My only complaint that it wasn't longer because I enjoyed it that much and it's so great. Again, Scotty Young, Humberto Ramos, Edgar Delgado, Ethan just it's, it's so good. Rogue Sun number seven from earlier in the month. That was one of the most fun I've had reading an issue just ever. Ryan Perrots, Nick Cotton, C. Carlos, Tania Marquez, Phonographics, Becca Carey. The way this issue was done, the of choose your adventure issue with Rogue Sun. It was so well done and so entertaining and I spent the amount of time just going through it, following everything through, following on different paths and Realising, because unfortunately I would already like had the, not like the twist, but there's something about this issue which if you've read it or you're going to read it, you'll see. And yeah, it's, it's worth, um, it's worth jumping on that series and another really solid addition to The Massive First. And one of each year actually is doing the colours, or the covers, for the second arc, which is going to be so great. They look absolutely gorgeous. The Human Tongue 8, again, if you've been reading this series, King, small word, cows enough said in a way if you've been enjoying this series you know what to expect another really solid issue and i can't wait to see how it all comes to a head as we get closer and closer to the ending kaya number one from the artist of deadly class or at least that's where i and most people probably found out that and where's craig is some worthy on the coloring and what designs on the lettering this was a great fun read i'm very excited to see where that goes i Picked it up last week. There was a copy on my store shelves that have been there all month, and last week I just finally just gave in and picked it up because it just looked so fun and so bright and kind of entertaining. And yeah, it should be a really fun ongoing series, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Fantastic 448, the second part of the X Judgment Day tie in by David Propose, who aren't Arbatov, Joe Kramanger. That was such a great Fantastic Four issue summarising what I love them and how it all comes together. As I joke in my review it's all about family and the Fast and Furious franchise would be proud the way that the, the narration is done, how it's told from Sue's perspective, the thing with Johnny and Ben and I just the Fantastic Four is so great and this tour issue mark really proved that. I finally got a chance to read Dark Ride last night, the new creator entitled by Joshua Williams and Andrew Bets present Adrian, Adriana and Brazil, sorry. And this was great. I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but I really enjoyed it, and I'm um, excited to see where it goes again. Definitely something that's certainly creepy and perfect for that sort of season. Because again, it, you can never have too many creepy titles or at any time of the year. Whether we'll read or we'll have a look at your LCS to see if it's still there. If not, I think. Yeah, there's gonna be a second print, so you know, that's always an option. Tim Drake Robin too. I really enjoyed this. I know it's not for everyone both on the art especially. And on the whole thing with Tim, it's, it's got all mixed opinions, especially people that don't quite enjoy it or yeah, it's it it's a whole thing. We'll see where it goes, but I've enjoyed it so far and the whole Lovestick narration that <laughs> that Tim has. It's so adorable to see, and I just love him, and man, they, I'm just glad we're seeing more of him. It's so great with Megan Fitzmartin, Riley Rosemarie, Ian Howard, Rob Lay on left wing. Yeah, it should be great. So, it should be, as it continues, it should be great. Public Domain 5, back against Chip Zdarsky. I don't know what, how many this is for you to count in on at home, but it's a creator entitled Public Domain. I... Loved this issue. I understand it might be a bit slow for people reading month to month, but I only recently caught. I recently only caught up on this, and I'm so glad I did because it was so great. And I'm just excited to see where it goes in arcs to come as the series continues. But it's just such like a different comic book. It's not anything like that out there on the shelves, but just it's so real and very clearly taking inspiration from worldwide Taking inspiration from real wide, real world things and how he sort of parodies them and develops them and it's it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, it's worth a read if you like it's a dusky When it's more mainstream stuff, it's like Batman and obviously it does like mainstream in that quote or whatever. Just, I mean, yeah, it's Batman, but still, it's worth a read. Now, Everlasting Number Three is another one. Yeah, from Tom King, uh, Elsa Chartier you work again, the clouding count. Really interesting. I have no idea where this goes or where it's going to go, rather. But I'm very excited to find out. And I mean there's not else, there's not much else you can say about that one. Book of Evil. Another one by Snyder and Jock. A very interesting issue, considering it's a mostly just prose with some pictures, and I know some people have described it as like an adult picture book, and I can definitely see that. But again, if you want something sort of horror or spooky related, something you absolutely need to do. check out again free on, on G, Kindle, Prime, or whatever. A very interesting read, and I'm excited to see where the rest of it goes in the next couple of months or when the further issues come out. Minor Threats, maybe something that everyone might have heard of from Dark Horse, as well, Jordan Blum, Scott Hebb, Ian Herring, Nate Picos. I wasn't quite shot I wasn't quite sold on the first issue. I enjoyed it enough to check out the second one, and I love the second one. The development with these like parodies of superheroes, we've seen so many parodies of superheroes by this point, but sort of the story and the way it's set up, it's very entertaining, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. The dramatic action and how it was left off at the end of this issue, we've halfway through the story already, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. Miscreant Zero, Food Publishing. What's this? You may be wondering. This is from Eric Williamson, it's written by him anyway, and is a member of the, of the League of Comic Geeks of Art by, I don't know how you, pronounce, how you pronounce it, but N-X-O-E-E-D. And yeah, this is very interesting, very wild, sort of like a small like, scene that was slightly poetic, but also slightly trippy and wild, and yeah, maybe worth looking up if you're interested in finding out more about it, I did a review on the league or on my Instagram journal to comment. So yeah. Spider Man, number one. new title. Dan Slot, Mark Bagley, John Dell, Inking, Edgar Edgar Delgado on lettering. Not on lettering, sorry, colouring. Not sure. doesn't I don't know if I can see it does lettering on league. Anyway. Again, it's hard to know what to expect of some of these things these days. A new spider title very easily not being great but i enjoyed it i just picked it up sometimes i just fancy a new spider title on my podcast and i think i think i might talk about this another thing i might talk about with glenn or someone else i lose track at this point um sometimes you can't really pick up the amazing spider-man title because it's twice a month that's not exactly cheap and especially when it's so decompressed yeah i talked about this with glenn i remember now but i thought it was just fun especially given it's once a month so we'll see where it goes end of the spider-verse Dark Christ on Infinite Earths, number five. This was fun. I mean, it, it was solid. It's nothing amazing, but sort, sort of what I expected, and it's been good. I'm excited to see where it goes as it sort of wraps up into the last couple of issues. The art by Daniel Semper, carried by Alejandro Sanchez. This has definitely been the highlight. It actually went right on Nap- 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 Napoletano. And I think that might be how you pronounce it. I mispronounced it earlier, so I apologise. But yeah it's, yeah, it's been fun. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Batgirls, 11. Another one that's been fun. It's been solid. It's not quite the same after Jorge Corona left on well, art. You know, I feel back. So I keep saying that ever since he left, which is almost like that was issue six. We're now on issue 11. Yeah, the new artist, Neil Huge. Again, apologise if that's not how it's pronounced. Keith Lunan, Michael Conrad on writing. Scott, God. Lursky on inking, with Wayne Fauci on inking, Rico Renzi on coloring, carry on lettering, etc. It's yeah, it's good, it's fun, it's interesting. It's great to see these characters in their own title. Of course, unfortunately, they have to share it, but you know, it's fun. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Nightwing ninety-seven, Tom Taylor, Rene Redondo, Gerardo Burkett, Walkers, Adriana Lucas, Ezra Burke. Again, if I mention some of those names, so I apologize, but. The ending of this issue was wild. Enough said. We'll see where it goes. King Spawn 15 again, really fun. Todd McFarlane, Sean Lewis, Thomas, Natch, Nick, MFCO presents and what design. This is really fun. It's been the only Spawn title that I've been following because so I just love the art and the richness of it. And I think it's a really interesting part. It feels like it's got a solid direction and like the can't Spawn title which is why I dropped it I mean I don't know how that's been but yeah it's very interesting and now I want to thank you for sitting through all of that I, I hope you enjoyed listening to some of the comments that I enjoyed and read this month and some of the horror and spooky t- titles I recommend and so now without further ado the interview with Glenn the conversation with Glenn the coming right up and yeah I'll see you on the other side First of all, I just wanted to welcome you to the show. It's, it's so great to have you here. I've been wanting um, been wanting to have you here for a while. You were still near the top of my list, so it's good to oh, thank you. finally do that. Yeah, um, It's great to be here. Yeah, so how have you been? What, what have you been reading really and enjoying lately?
1: Uh, Christopher Priest's Deathstroke. I've been reading the Omnibus. Uh, my colleagues on my podcast uh, were very high on the run when it was coming out, during the uh, Reaper fair. Um mm. And I thought, oh, I'll check out the omnibus eventually, and I finally got right to it, and I thought it was brilliant. Nice, yeah, I need to read that.
0: I sort of caught the tail end of that run, um, yeah. and I enjoyed it, but it's one I definitely need to go back and read. I'm glad they collected it in one big book, that's always satisfying. It's a beast. Yeah. It's like, the um. I think the Immortal Hulk omnibus coming next year, there's a similar sort of like fifty issues or so, and that's going to be like yeah. a similar size. But remember that's going to be quite a heavy
1: read. I'm I'm sort of uh, well because I've been I lo- I've been loving the uh, run. of an of, been, using, been the covers, So I'm I'm glad I didn't wait, because I'm sure I, I have enjoyed it so much when it's been coming out in that format. But I'm kind of sad I didn't wait as well because there's going to be stuff. And the omnibus, like the Gamma Flight Mini, uh, that was never is never going to be in oversized hardcover Otherwise, mm, mm, yeah, that's true. Stuff like that bugs me. Uh, I would, I, I wish that if they were going to do that for the omnibus, they should have put that mini in one of the oversized hardcovers. But hey, that's, that's just that's just Marvel collections have kind of been weird like that lately. That's why I, I wait on for an omnibus on like ninety percent mm. of what I read from Marvel these days. Mm, yeah. It's not so
0: perfect between the collected editions department and between the different collected editions.
1: There's definitely not the like mismatching and things sometimes. It it is very unpredictable. Uh, and it it, it it just leaves you guessing. And that's mm-hmm. like not something I feel you want your consumers to do. You don't want consumers afraid to buy something because and maybe I'm being overly like anal about it. Uh, because on the, like oversized hardcovers aren't for everyone. Some people prefer trades, or uh, if they don't want to do singles, which is perfectly all right, of course. But I do love my oversized hardcovers. Um. So, but I want to have consistency in my runs because uh, my we're, we're comic collectors at, at heart. We're OCD. Um, and I just want everything kind of to match together. So it's it's annoying when they don't include. Something and then the in a later version they do it's 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 really out. it's like um two mo- of the most grievous examples I can think of slightly off off topic already see I told you I warned you um is one where uh Jerry Dugan's initial Deadpool run they did oversized hardcovers but didn't include the Deadpool versus Dracula mini series where he meets the woman he marries which is a major part of the run and they included that in the omnibus and then also DC uh, did a Super Sons omnibus collecting the Peter Tomasi run but then they did an extended omnibus which included uh, a 12 yeah. series. series and I was really annoyed because I, brought, I bought it and I was like I'm not going to sell this just for 12 issues I'm, I'm not and then just, I just really bugged me. Yeah because I've got a really
0: mismatched um, connection with Super Sans in that sense because weirdly enough i sort of came into john um with the bendis run which mm-hmm. i know it's something that is very unpopular in that sense and something that i would sort of come to recognize as such um but i was just sort of when i was getting into weekly issues and then so i sort of worked backwards from there because then um i heard about adventures of the super sons and so i think i picked up like issues seven to twelve of that so the last six issues and then i went back and bought the first trade. And then I went back and got the omnibus. And then I, and then last year when DC released the Tomasi e. Gleason Superman omnibus of that whole run, and then I read that. So felt like I was reading the whole thing in reverse, going back to 2016. So yeah,
1: 2016. well, that's a, cool, you can do, that's a cool thing you can do. about it. like uh, again, uh, I think comic companies worry too much about people getting lost. But we're in the collection age. We're in the digital age where people can get any, really nearly any comic they want, either in collections or digitally, and catch up. I think I think comic companies, not so much image dying, but DC and Marvel worry too much about people not being smart enough know, to know where to go if they want to catch up, if they find something they're interested in.
0: Mm. Which, and I mean, this is sort of beating a dead horse in terms of the larger comic community discourse, but it almost ironically um, ends up making things more confusing for new readers when there's 50 million new Spider Man number, number ones. One. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like there was even one, a new one this month, um, a few weeks ago, a month mm-hmm. ago when it's been released. Um, did you read that by Slot and Bagley
1: by any chance? I did. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, same. Because I always want to read Amazing Spider Man, The Name Run, but. I always feel like it's too decompressed um i mean during the spencer run i wasn't really a fan and then beyond came along and then i was tempted to pick up the main run but in the course it's like it's 5.99 um us for the first issue and then it's twice monthly and then that's not counting like events and anniversary issues and so it just doesn't seem um feasible to pick up yeah week to week it's much better to just read it Later on, once it's all there, because then at least you can read it one on one. Go, and you don't have to succumb to the decompressed storytelling with all the shock curve hangers and
1: yeah, know you're, you're I think well, I mean, I'm I'm reading my amazing monthly because amazing kind of one of my is the one book that I'll probably never drop, and like the Spencer on really tests that theory. Um, nice. But um, the so I'm reading it this, but. Well's run has been good, but I, I I just find that this I mean he's been writing Spider-Man off and on since two thousand and two two thousand and three, um, <laughs> and I feel this isn't his strongest work in in regards to Spider-Man. Um, although I did really enjoy the last, the last two issues, I thought were some of the strongest. So maybe he's just finding his feet. Um, I don't know if I I spoke to you or, um, maybe on Twitter or someone else, but I I do think that there was. Some background mm-hmm. shenanigans in regards to how this run was set up that we'll probably never really know about. It's pure speculation. It's just everything that before this run and what has come afterwards. It doesn't quite seem as if this was the plan. Uh, so I I believe that they had something else in mind for Amazing and it fell apart. And this is what we're getting instead. And Wells has had to basically scramble. To be like the the guy in the big chair in terms of Spiderman, uh, and that's why it's maybe taking him a bit to find his feet. But um, I hope, I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that he c- continues to maybe um, improve again. Nothing bad, nothing terrible, nothing Spencer level. Um, but uh, I, I find it's good, but nothing sh- soul shattering.
0: Mm. There's definitely. Um, I was just sort of thinking as you were talking and joking that it's one of life's great mysteries despite the editorial office. Because mm-hmm. I know some people have speculated about this before, the sort of theories that and maybe towards the end of the Spider-Man, the spencer run was going to uh, undo One More Day and that sort of thing where some people were sort of leaning towards that and then maybe that's what he wanted and he wasn't out to and how that sort of all led to Beyond and... It's beyond just sort of like a weird holding pattern almost until maybe there was, I don't know, sort of just wild speculation. Maybe there were scrambling
1: for a new creative team. And it's, it's really I, hard to know, isn't it? It is. I mean, unless you, I mean, there's a really good series of interviews about the chaos that went on in Editorial during the Clone Saga. Uh, and unless you have something like that, you will never know. Unless someone comes hmm. out and that very rarely happens, unless they've got nothing to lose. But I, I really would have been, I would be very surprised if Spencer ever intended to get Mary Jane and Peter back together in regards to marriage. Because at the end of the day, my, two two things: is one, he if if he's going to put them together, he would have had to tell his editor, "I'm going to put them together." First part, And the first thing the editor probably would have said, or eventually said, would be, remember, they can't get married. So it's not as if he would have not known that uh, going in. And then secondly, I think he just had MJ and Peter together for an easy win to get the fans liking his run. Mm. There, was, there was so much he did, uh, Spencer did, in his run that... Uh, like we were talking about Dr. Who uh, before we started uh, started the episode, uh, that you described uh, some of um, no, uh, was it you that described it maybe as a bit hollow, everything's there, but it feels like very empty. And I felt like that from Spencer, and he was doing things that would make fans happy, but it didn't it just did it just came across as very empty because it just wasn't executed very well. And I knew that kind of. Either by the end of his run or before he left, that most likely MJ and Peter would be separated again. I am. I know a lot of people are very annoyed about this mystery with regards to her family, but I actually do find that very interesting. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what is the story there with this Paul guy and her having two kids that are by uh, by eight to twelve. Um, like, well, it's it's very odd. I'm I'm I don't know. If, things are what they appear to be but um, mm. I'm assuming something's, obviously something's happened that we don't know about that mm. has caused this to happen and I think a lot of people are like annoyed that we don't know yet but I, I'm willing to sell it out and see what's revealed um, because beyond ended, way beyond ended where which is which Zeb's, uh, which Wells was the head writer in, has led right into his run was like a bright light uh, like Peter Mergen was like embracing there was a bright light outside their window and the next thing we know, uh, Peter's done something that everyone's grumpy at him about, and MJ's married with two kids. So I think obviously, and that's all in like six months. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a whiplash. Yeah, it was. Um, but no, I think um, I, I I it's solid, but uh, you know, especially when you go back to Beyond, and I did like Beyond a lot, but Beyond to me is one of those, and I've read nearly every major spider-man run um because i'm sad like that um so i think beyond here and uh probably the wells era it's too early to say but we'll probably remember along the lines of your marv wolfman and len wine kind of eras that that happened and significant things happened in them but nobody really talks about simply does that make sense yeah
0: yeah i think and I've been thinking about this a couple of times this year in terms of comics, where I feel like it's been sort of several years now. I'm sort of on the other side of any sort of cynicism uh, about um, big um, moves in the big two, in terms of the big sort of oh, what did Peter do mystery and the death of the justice thing. Those are sort of like two things that I thought really brought some things into focus about. Um, my sort of cynicism with the comic, um, industry in terms of the big two and the sort of larger comic fandom, where there were sort of some people that were like, "Oh, they're only going to be brought back at the end," like with the Justice League. I was like, "Yeah, that that's fine, but why is that a problem? If we if we go into the event knowing that they're going to be brought back, then can, can we not just still have a fun time with it? Like, if we,
1: yeah, if no, we, exactly."
0: Mm, Just just, something for me. It didn't seem to sort of change the. It was sort of like a bit of a non-issue. Like
1: no, you're Mm. right. I think you're you're spot on. It's like whenever they did the Superior Spider-Man, and Marvel Mm. were like, "Peter's definitely not coming back. He's definitely dead forever. Otto's the new Spider-Man, and will be the new Spider-Man for anymore." And I was like, "No, there's there's like a movie in two years. Peter was like movie. Yeah. Um." because that's how they work. They try to closely align with the films, which, which is fine. Um, so if there's a if there's a change in regards to who's for Iron Man or Captain America, they will bring it back to whoever it is going to be in the film. That's why they have two Captain America books at the moment, is because Sam Wilson is Captain America in the MCU. Um, excuse me, sorry. And uh, I knew that because it was... This was around the time that Amazing Spider-Man Two was coming out with Andrew Garfield, and um, I knew that we're going to have Spider-Man, Peter back as Spider-Man, and he'll probably fight Electro. And true enough, <laughs> Peter came back and he fought yeah, Electro. You
0: just yeah, have to yeah. just enjoy. It's
1: just, just there's too, I think there's too much um, focus on there's too much there's too much. Kind of instant, kind of like, well, this, this is this, I hate this now, so it's terrible, rather than letting things Exactly. Out, you know, and I mean, and I read all 75 issues plus some extras of Spencer's Run. And again, it was partly because I'm not dropping amazing because I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that. But I gave it a fair shot, even though I didn't get a good initial first impression. But I, I remember Peter David said, and and this is so true that, if I mean, you, do you know you know what happens at the end of Amazing Spider-Man? one hundred. Uh huh. Which one? Uh one hundred. Amazing Spider-Man one hundred. Oh yeah, the one with yeah, we so, like, get the, like, the extra arms. Then the extra arms, exactly. And... Bingo. Yeah. Like if that came out now, we would know that was happening in advance, three months ahead at least, if not more. And yes. we, would to, we would have to listen to three months or more of, oh my God, this is terrible. Marvel's ruining the character. What the hell? Not my Spider-Man. i always like uh, blah, 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 blah. And some idiot would somehow make it it uh, of being woke, like having four extra limbs is woke. And then, so we'd have to listen to that nonstop for three months or more. Whereas Peter David says when he read that, he was like, oh my God, how is he going to explain this to Gwen? I can't wait to read the, the next issue. Because he didn't know. I think I just think we know too much. And mm. we're told too much. And we're told too much, and then the internet tears it apart. So by the time we actually get to it, everyone's already decided what it's like. Mm.
0: And whenever I sort of think this, I always hope that I don't come off too pretentious. But I think there's definitely something in me where it just sort of clicks, where you start to... There comes a moment when you realise... That cynicism you sort of realize that okay these this is what's gonna happen you sort of you learn the trends and then you learn how to still have fun and enjoy the comics within those trends rather than yeah. sort of expecting anything else and i don't know if that's the same for other people but there's always oh, comes a moment like i said and like you mentioned like if he's got six arms or if otto's taken over his body, you say well like this is fun like i'm not expecting it to last forever but Sometimes, yeah, it is just to, to do with the expectations and sort of what people think, and especially that yeah. reactionary side of Twitter that Twitter that can be quite knee-jerk sometimes. Yeah,
1: and it's a shame. Um, but uh, I just think it's and ever its the same thing with like um, everyone can be a critic now. Everyone mm. can have uh, a blog or or uh, on Letterboxd for movies, everyone can go up and go, I'm going to rate this movie out of five stars. So everyone has a voice. Uh, and it's just too much noise. It's very, it's actually very hard to know. I find, if I'm curious about a book, I find it very hard to move through the noise and figure out, is this, is, like, you're never going to get everyone to agree or disagree 100% very rarely even like on like something very well regarded um you're going to be like you will get someone that goes i don't like it or you will get someone that most people hate and go i love it um so it's very hard to kind of figure out is this book right for me because just because someone you maybe share nine times out of ten you agree on the same book they might they might hit it and then you read and go i don't get I the hits um it's it's just, it's just one of those things, and modern media that you kind of get used to it. I don't know what it's going to be like in generations to come, as mm. this but that that's going to be a problem that gets worse and better in terms of everyone kind of having this knee jerk reaction and over analyzing everything because every everyone's an armchair expert, you know, but they're not, and you neither know, I've been reading comics for. Well, i've been reading comics uh for uh let me think 30 34 years or so but uh superhero comics probably about four years um so i've literally seen it all <laughs> um but it's uh, you just you just you just kind of just have to take it with it that's why i don't really sometimes interact with comic twitter a lot because it's just Mm. so much noise and I just can't be I I have a few people I interact with that I trust uh, like yourself or Anne reads comics or um, Robbie and Ray's or whatever but there's just people that either are overly negative or sometimes just stir the pot to get a reaction and it just aggravates Mm. me it's just like just just again just enjoy it and for for goodness' sake the the world's miserable enough you know Mm.
0: yeah exactly yeah, like
1: there's there's people on Twitter. I have sort of a, a
0: specified circle of people that I interact with and look at the tweets of, and then that's basically yeah. I don't bother even looking at the yeah. Sort of, I mean, the, the diving into the depths of because you don't need to. I mean, sometimes you get curious every so often, but most of the time you just it's is good for it's keeping
1: healthy. tabs on people that you want to see. It's healthy to go outside your circle. Don't get me wrong. But mm, yeah, it's just uh, I just know that. You know, there's certain parts of comics fandom I would never do. I suppose it's just too much hassle. Uh, And it's it's sometimes not even necessarily the worst aspects of that. It's just people that are overly passionate about... Like, a perfect example is I have no ill will or feeling that the Poison Ivy League League are bad people, but they are so passionate about that character, and they're very particular about what they want DC to do with that character that they're very critical of um, the current G. Will Wilson miniseries, mm. which I think is brilliant. Uh, and yeah. they just can't sort of... Just because it's not exactly what they want it to be doesn't mean it's bad. But I don't think that they're bad people whereas there is aspects of comic fandom that I do think genuinely they're bad people. But I just... but I do, I wouldn't really interact regularly with Poison Ivy League because I just think it's just like they're too close and there is a thing of being too close. You have to remember, at the end of the day, these are fictional people. And, you know, at the end of the day, these characters are going to be around long after we're all dead. And at the, at the end of the day, we only have to get this brief period of time that we spend time with them, and we just have to try and make the best of that uh, as we can. Sorry if I brought the tone down a bit in regards to grimness. We're all going to die, and these characters are going to outlive us. But uh, no, it's no, true. No, it's, it is true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's a useful conversation to have and an important one really. Yeah. Um but yeah, back to Death Industrial, was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um there's there's definitely an argument that we had that and on, on something like League of Comic Geeks, where um it's quite quite a close knit community feed. I mean it's sort of growing and
1: there's mm-hmm. more
0: people, but there's sort of certain questions that um come up every so often where some new people ask them and if you've been on there for a while, you sort of See those questions quite a lot, a lot of times, and so it's always things like um, every every so often the question about like continuity comes through, and and even on like just general discourse in comic Twitter, there's several different discourses that always come around. But it's always things like in terms of continuity, like how much should it matter, and characterizations about how loose or um like rigid some people's characterizations should be, and some people are very um precious for lack of a better word. And rigid um interpretations of what their favorite character should be, like you were saying about poison ivy. And I think what it makes me think of is, and this sort of leading into something that we touched on a bit earlier, but the idea of monthly books, where if someone is building something up over an arc over say six issues, and there's sort of like a definite character arc in place, and in the first issue, if something seems a bit off, and then, there's a preview for the second issue out, and it's also a bit off. And then you get to the third issue, and you realise that this is like an overall plan that the writer has planned all along. Mm-hmm. And I am talking about Chip Darsky's Batman with um or him, mm-hmm. and his artwork. And yes, yes. I believe it might be tomorrow morning on colours, but I could be wrong about that. There was... it was quite sad, really. There was um, a couple of months before it started, I can put people I follow-ups on making jokes about like, oh, how long before, how many issues into his Batman run before comics Twitter turns on Chip Zdarsky. Because as soon as there's a popular character that's bad to some, then all of their work is bad, apparently. Mm-hmm. And literally, um, there are some sort of certain words that Bruce was using and it became clear later on that this was part of the character work and, in my opinion, tied in quite nicely thematically. But of course, some people really latched onto that and I don't, it's sort of a difference between going, oh, well, this doesn't sound quite right, but it sounds like when it was when it keeps being repeated, you're like, oh, this has to be like a part of a larger thing. And of course, some people um, with the monthly schedule of comic books go sort of instantly jump on. It's like, this is immediately the worst thing I've ever read. No need to read the rest of the arc to see how it plays out. I just immediately know. Yeah. I don't, It's okay not to like something, but there's definitely certain people, and it's not even gatekeeping, some people will try and call it out as gatekeeping possibly, but there is sort of certain people that like genuinely um, just, I don't know, and I, I sort of touched on this with another conversation I recorded that will be out at some point, where if I'm just walking into a comic book store and picking up the latest issue of Spider-Man, there's so much out there with like the comic industry and the community and just the comics in general, that it's only like the beginning of that journey. Like, There's so much out there you sort of have to discover on your own on the internet. And yeah, it's definitely something that I'm aware of considering. I mean, how much my reading has sort of expanded since I even discovered Indies a couple of years ago. I mean, oh, yeah. that's like a whole new world. It's, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's the whole journey.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're, but, but the thing is, is that I firmly believe there is a comic for everyone. And whenever someone asks me, because most people know me as the comic guy, and uh, worst comic guy ever, um, they, um, they'll come to me and go, oh, I would love to read comics, but I don't know where to start. And I do think, maybe I'm overly thinking, most people would go to your, your, your big ones, like they'll read your Batman year one or whatever. But I actually think it's a very personal thing. Is that you have to have a conversation with that person you have to understand what they like and gravitate them towards a comic that's like that that it will offer them something they like and then say it's um reckless by ed brubaker. they read reckless they love it they read all the reckless books i think i like this ed brubaker i will go and read killer be killed or uh criminal and then they like that and maybe they go to captain america his captain america run they go oh i like this captain america and then they maybe read Avengers, and then the Avengers writer mm. is just Nara, and then they go from Avengers to Thor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and, and just bleed. It just does, literally does bleed out. Like um, I like for a good portion of my early comic reading, it was like Spider-Man and Batman, and that was it. I didn't want to mm. read anyone else. I didn't care about anyone else. Obviously, this was well before like the MCU. I, I had seen cartoons with other characters, but in terms of reading their comic, these were the guys I was passionate about. Um, and then I started to read indie books, and by indie books, I mean uh, *Invincible* and watching Watching Dead*. Uh, mm. And then, and then that led to other things. And then I wanted to maybe try out this hero or that hero, and it just just exploded into a 10 of boxes in my attic. It, so, mm. I, 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 I think you just have to kind of find your own path to. What you like, but uh, and it doesn't matter. You could maybe like ten comics, and that's all the comics you're going to like, or even just one, but, and and that's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you're quite right. I do think people are too quick to judge. I I find these days these days that the people are far more forgiving of indies or self uh, sell uh, creator own Like if you read like of Sudarsky's Batman is a perfect example. I saw what you saw that people went right away, but if people had read, uh, were reading. I don't know his like say Stillwater, and they read the first issue. It was like, hmm, it's not too sure it's going, but I'll give it another couple of issues. They seem to be more forgiving of it because it's crater owned, which I find interesting. Mm. I think also possibly the
0: thing with crater owned is again. I, I, I try, I'm trying to figure out how to say this and not sound pretentious. I think there's something with the superhero comic books. They're always going to have mass appeal. Um, Batman is a- always going to be mostly a, a guaranteed sale. There's always going to be something that's reading well. Lots of people are always going to be reading Batman. But with indie comics, there is more of a um, cultivated audience, whether that's from people that like the creator superhero books or things they just sort of saw in the store and were curious about. and. I think there's definitely sort of an argument to be made about how um, there's sort of a very general audience and um, sort of like mainstream part of comedy Twitter that's quite reactionary. And whereas um, some indie books can be sort of more, I mean, I want to say artsy, but that doesn't feel right because there are some super comic books that, so some big two comic books that can feel artsy and vice versa but yeah there is definitely something to be said about definitely there are going to be less people way less people reading Stillwater than batman so i just wonder if um like that there's not as many people to react to it in that way for sort of like those some people haven't got to it or they haven't they don't even know about it maybe or i don't know it, it's a very interesting discussion and to think about and talk about
1: no I think you're I definitely think I know what you're saying because like I think with these characters that are that were here before us sorry it's my Mm. daughter coughing that were here before us and will be here after us um people have they kind of of course they belong to the companies but because they're such pop culture icons they kind of belong to everyone in in Mm. an essence so people feel very protective of what Those characters shouldn't shouldn't be. Everyone has their, and I'm I'm as guilty of any of this as anyone. We're to Batman. Um, I have a very particular thing in my head influenced by the uh, '90s animated show of what Batman should be. That's and I will, uh, depending on how it's how it's sold. Because I always say you can sell anything, no matter how bad the idea is. It's how you sell it. Um, but uh, I like. The nineties Batman. Uh, That's what I want my Batman to be primarily. Uh, Whereas if you're creator owned, you it is that person's creation, and you're just kind of being allowed in, and it it will Mm. mostly have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Batman will never, but Batman will never go and then the city was saved. Whereas there's less kind of um, because that's going to go on potentially until the sun goes out there's always going to be people who think, well, it, it's not as good as it was like 50 years ago or 10 years ago. Whereas creator own, you do get a specific voice and you get a beginning, middle and end point. So there's less kind of room for people to feel like they have some kind of overinvestment in it. Does that make sense? Or am I talking nonsense?
0: Yeah, yeah, no. And that's definitely something that I sort of... I think it was one of those things where I sort of knew that at the back of my but I couldn't figure out how to... Um, yeah, I think that's sort of in a roundabout way what I was trying to say, that there's definitely a sort of a deeper attachment to Batman, like a pre-existing one, because everyone's going to have their own version of Batman that they like, and Spider-Man, and all those sort of like popular characters, and, and yeah, it's it's a very messy world out there in that sense, in terms of, especially in, when then when you get into adaptations, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing because even with adaptations, you know, obviously we've had um two thousand yeah, what the year is it now? Um, we've had one, two, three three versions of Batman since two thousand no. Uh mm. three different actors play Batman, I think, since uh on, on the big mm. screen since two thousand five, right? Which isn't really that long. Mm. Um and each version is very different from the other one. And some people you get people are very, very passionate about Ben Affleck's Batman, for example, versus, Mm -hmm. and then some people are very passionate about Robert Pattinson's just the last two, uh, just on their own. Um, But, yeah, so I I think, but then whenever you get, say, an adaption of Walking Dead or Invincible, um, people, I think, are a bit more just, they're just glad to see these things that they enjoy brought to a wider audience, even if maybe they don't land as well. Um, I, I don't know if you're a fan of The Walking Dead show, but I feel as if it's it's very much a show that is has some amazing nice some typical lows, um, and you kind of just stick... But you're glad that it exists because it meant that Walking Dead was a huge success as a comic then, which meant that more, there were more options for creators in the indies. They didn't feel as if they had to stay off Marvel and DC if they didn't want to, if they wanted to earn a living. um. So it it's, it, but then whenever you, again, you go back to those corporate characters, you kind of feel, well, I wanted to be this. I, I know, I've i had conversations with people that are very passionate about the MCU that don't like anything post-Endgame because it's not the MCU they were initially introduced to, which I find endlessly fascinating.
0: Mm, yeah. Is there um, anything else you want to say on that subject? I feel like we've sort of... Uh, no, 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 work away. I, I feel like we've sort of run completely through that. I, I don't really have anything else to say about it.
1: <laughs> um probably talking about it for a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure something
0: will come back to me once we start talking about something else.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: October, uh, as everyone knows, is the month of Halloween. It's the spooky month. What are some of your favourite horror titles and spooky titles that you love to read and have loved in the past?
1: Well, whenever you kind of ask me there's there's some great horror comics out there at the moment. And comics have a long, great history of horror, even before superheroes. Um, You know, you look at uh, House of Mystery, House of... um, And and that, there's some great horror in the past that is well worth tracking down. You can get the House of Mystery and House of Suspense as the other one, is it? Maybe. Whatever, it sounds, you know the one. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, the name of you can get all those in Omnibus now, and I would highly recommend dig, digging them up if, you, if you're interested in, in some great horror. And these are some of the earliest works by some big names in comics. Um, but nowadays, I think horror is the number two franchise um, in comics. Secret would probably always be number one. Just by default, um, as the biggest two companies primarily publish superheroes, but horror has produced such fantastic comics in recent years. Like some of my favorite comics at the moment that I'm pulling monthly, like your nice house on the lake, Department of Truth, uh, all have like horror elements to them. Mm. Uh, and of course, probably the biggest indie book at the moment is Something's Killing the Children, yes. Um, it's like I I I don't know. I haven't seen the sales charts or numbers in a long time, but I think it's solidly in the top twenty, if not the top fifteen. If top, uh, you know, um, because it's i selling, it's outselling other things, but then you get noise like any number one or an event bombs everything up. Uh, but it's solidly consistent, uh, at its level, which is the more important thing. Um, and it's such a good book. But like whenever I thought, so there's too much horror right there. That I've enjoyed over the years, but whenever you want, I've I wanted to think really hard, I think comics that have really actually frightened me. Um, and one that I mean my favorite probably horror comic of all time is Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Oh, I need to read that. It's so good. I mean, i very rarely, I'll talk about some of the ones that I've actually felt genuinely unsettled in a comic. <laughs> nice. And they do it month, they did it month after month, and they're doing it kind of again. They're doing their uh, uh, Boone Orchard Mythos. Uh, yes, they did the um, the tapestry. Was it that was the graphic novel? Now they're doing uh, 10,000 10, black feathers. Um, yeah, both are excellent. But Gideon Falls just was like I can't read my every month. Uh, and for those that maybe don't know, Gideon Falls is essentially about a story about uh, a dimension which is full. Of Pure evil that is trying to infect the multiverse. Fun, Uh, yeah. (laughs) And it's it's it appears in the multiverse through like a black barn where there's a nice little fellow, a little red fellow, a smile that lives inside. And it's very timey wimey. It's almost in regards to its storytelling and how its chronological work. It's kind of very Chris Nolan esque. So it's it's kind of like this interesting blend of Stephen King meets Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can ha- highly recommend it. Uh, do you want me to say my next one, or do you want to maybe say one that you have enjoyed in the past? I mean, yeah,
0: I can talk about something. Um, funny enough, uh, I might sp- expand on something as King of Children. Um, as we briefly mentioned it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's <laughs>
1: brilliant.
0: Yeah, something as King of Children was my first indie comic. Well, sort of. It 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 gets mixed because. There was sort of a period of time when uh, I first discovered Spawn. I think yeah. I saw the uh, 301 in the spin- the sort of spinner rack um M A L C S because they have sort of new releases on like shelves and then they got like a spinner rack with some like, indie stuff and and I just thought it. it it was just really fun and just really like bright and vibrant and it- it's that was sort of the first gateway to um indie comics or like image comics and those sorts of publishers where then on I, I sort of started reading it monthly and then I heard about some of those kind of children and I saw the trade on their shelves and uh, I got it and then I basically just read it cover to cover in like an hour. I was just so like captured and enamored and I, I, I looked up the release date for the, the second trade and I was like, oh, I can't wait for that. So I jumped on in single issues, and by that point, it was on, like, issue 10. Mm-hmm. So I- until the hardcover came out last year, um, I'd never actually read, like, issues six to nine. So it, mm-hmm. it, it was fun to sort of... I mean, it's an awesome hardcover, by the way. It, it was sort of just it is, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: awesome to read it all in one go. I think one night I was reading a bunch of other stuff beforehand, so it was in the backlog, and then one night... I just sat down, and I think I read it all in about like three hours, um or fifteen issues. I just it's 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 something so compelling about it, mm-hmm. and just the way it's crafted and the way it's done. and yeah, i, I it's definitely clear to see why why it's so
1: popular. um oh yeah, it, it's definitely hit some it's, it resonates hard, like so it's it's, kind of, it's the biggest indie sensation I've seen since Walking Dead. Mm.
0: I, I just remember. I still love the title page they do. They in each of like the issues or the trades on hardcover, they have like a cold open, and then they have like the double page splash where it's like black um, background and then it's white text. Something is killing their children. I still remember just in the first trade, the first time I saw that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like this is this is gonna be good."
1: This is the biz. (laughs) This is this is the biz. This is where it's. Mm -hmm. And then, um sort of
0: tangentially, leading on to when, when I sort of heard Department of Truth, it's going to be coming out soon, also by the same writer. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm not sure this will be my thing, but like looks neat. Yeah. And then like, I, I read the first issue, and I was just blown away. I was like, right, well, that was incredible. I need to read more. Yeah, And then I, I love the issues later. Mm, yeah, it's... I, I, I was, was never... Mm, okay. Sorry, so uh, Sorry, I was never particularly fond of the painted art style, but I'm going to absolutely adore the artwork by Simmons, mm-hmm. and and the uh, lettering by Ditcher Brindakar is just, it's all just such a unique, be crafted experience month to month.
1: Like, I I'm a, I've always been a big fan of like conspiracy theories. Um, so this mm. book was like tailor made for me. Just the concept is so good. And James, James, the career James Tiddy and I find fascinating, is because he slopped away at DC Comics for like ten years, uh, primarily. Um, as Scott Snyder's number two, Shadow Man, and he Mm. would do like Batman annuals, or he would co write something like Batman Eternal, uh, or and then he would do a run on Detective, and he would always produce great excellent comics, but no one ever really took note of him, or he was like because like Scott Snyder was like the superstar, Mm, and James Tinian was uh, it's like Scott Snyder and James Tinian, I guess. And that was a shame, and I always felt that he was underrated. And then all of a sudden, mm. around the time that he launched uh, *Somebody's Killing the Children*, it was all of a sudden. I was like, "Hey, this James Tidman, guys! coming on and over!" It's like he's been he's been plugging away at DC for ten freaking years, you know. And it's just I'm mm. I'm really glad that he's he's having this success because um, he deserves it. Because I I don't know if he read his detective his detective run was exceptional. Um, But he did so much great work at DC and he almost very unique career in terms of uh, these days, at least, Uh, you know, it used to be where um, you would start at Marvel DC and then go to uh, Indies. But then it's sort of now gone to you start Indies, go to Marvel DC for a while, then you go back to Indies, whereas he is more like the how it used to be where he started at DC very young uh, as a protege of Snyder. Uh, along with some other people that have become big in Indies like Cal Higgins, mm. and he's just he's just the, he is the top writer in comics at the moment. Um, and he's not doing he's only doing work he wants to do. I have no doubt he will come back to DC eventually. And DC, I'm sure. I mean, he's he is doing still work for DC. He's doing he's doing, uh, Night nice Across the Lake, and Nightmare Country. Uh, both brilliant books. Um, but. He is doing just effortlessly great work on everything he touches. And it's just it's just great to see someone who I remember kind of always uh, being, an, being treated as an afterthought is maybe too harsh, but I think it's just because everyone was so hyped up on Scott Snyder's Batman and what Snyder was doing on everything that James Tenney was kind of just there. And that, that was a shame, I always thought, but I'm so glad mm. he was doing his moment and he's like and he's definitely like equal to snyder or maybe i think he's the snyder's sort of on the level he sort of very quickly rose to top writer in the industry and then sort of went into that kind of legendary status that some creators get into whereas tinian's now the top writer in the industry and he's not even working at marvel or dc he's i think he's probably the most successful uh, comic writer to never actually spend any time at Marvel, Marvel, which is astounding.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I find very interesting. Um, especially as as a big fan of Snyder's work and seeing what he's done with the his Substack, his class, and there was definitely <laughs> something in his early Justice League issues where I remember every so often, every few, every several issues, I get every several issues or so um it would be like a legion of doom issue like just literally would be scrawled out and it a legion of doom and it was basically done by tiny and, and all of those issues were done by tiny and then of course later on like uh so many months later i read something that's the kind of children and department of truth and so I, i'm not sure when i exactly i made the connection that the same person that had done those just as yeah. was doing those indie books but It must have just sort of clicked one day, and I hadn't sort of really thought much about it until now.
1: I know you're an omnibus guy like I am. I would highly recommend getting the detective run that he did on omnibus. It's it's brilliant. Mm, Yeah, I do have that actually. It's okay. Yeah,
0: it was it was a really fun run. I liked the um, overarching nature of it. It was clear that that it was quite cool to see. It was um, quite sort of tight in its pacing. It was
1: mm-hmm.
0: it. It was cool to see there was lots of standalone arcs. Like it felt like each arc was quite clearly focused on a specific character. Like yes. there was a Zatanna arc, and there was a um, Cass Kane arc, and there was um, different arcs of different characters. And then, but there was still like an overarching plan around everything with Tim, and mm-hmm. which which was really cool to see because it's not something that you see often these days. And Superhero comic. Do you sort of see it like every so often, like um, like one out of however many comic books, superhero comic books, and the big two get yeah. to do that. But it's not something that you can take for granted for sure. Like that run could have easily just been the short standalone arcs, and each one could have just been like by itself and not connected to the others. And yeah, yeah, it's quite a self-contained sort of like forty-fifty issue run in that sense. But yeah, sure. But
1: it's it's so good. Hmm.
0: Did you have another? Uh, uh, did you have another comic you wanted to talk about before
1: I? Yeah. Remember? Well, there's. I have a very distinct memory of. Did, I'm guessing you read. Uh, Snyder's Batman. Speaking of Scott Snyder. Um, the first omnibus, yes. Uh, so in the second omnibus, they'll have a storyline called Endgame, which brings the joke Joker. Oh uh, yeah. And in that, in the second or third part, there trying to the joker's claiming to be um this kind of being called the pale man who has haunted gotham since the, the city was founded and there is they're trying to batman's thinking this is nonsense and he's trying to find evidence to disprove this and he goes through like the archives on the back computer and there's this moment in the second or third part where he finds the story about this hospital in Gotham in like the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, where all the kids were dying uh, and of a mysterious illness. And they said like death walk the corridors, blah, 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 blah. And it's Alfred or somebody who goes, wait, what's that? And they close up on all the windows and in the window is the Joker. Mm, and I remember reading that and I was like, I think I need to step away from this comic for a while because i find that just deeply unsettling on a primal level that I can't quite convey. convey. And I was like, because much like, more so than maybe any other kind of discussed, but there's so many versions of the Joker, and everyone writes them different. Um, Nearly, more or less. Uh, And again, the one I like the most is more or less the version you see in the animated show that Mark Hamill brilliantly voiced but this was like something that I found utterly terrible and I was like how can he be there and it's like no the photo's not been doctored it's real that that was there and I was like why is that, why is that a thing I was never quite clearly explained because again they never really land on whether or not this was him but they never like to nail down the Joker's what the Joker is too much Um, and I, I just that chilled me to the bone mm.
0: And so sort of speaking of, I know we've uh, touched on it already, but there was one specific issue of Department of Truth where it was during the arc where they were one-shots by guest artists and it, it didn't really have anything to do with the main narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: most of them were good, but not necessarily yeah. mm-hmm. very impactful. But the, the Mothman issue, where it, it was sort of like photorealistic almost, and it was like dark yeah. and dingy and... So sort of like it was like lots of like full page splash, full page splashes, and the text, and there were some pages in that that genuinely sent a shiver down my spine.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: I felt that issue in my soul.
1: It was yeah, terror. That was terrifying. I remember feeling the same way in Department of Truth for the the Men in Black issue. Uh, there was mm. something about phones. It's been a, it's been like a year since it was out, but I remember there was something about phones or like bad. <laughs> like, you know, roto- old-school rotary phones as opposed to mobiles. Um, and it was like, great, I can't go, fo- I can't go near a normal landline again. Um, so, yeah, there's so... I, I, I've been reading another one. is I've been reading Alan Moore's font thing for the first time in The Absolute Editions. oh Um And I read the first two. I've read the first two. I've got the third one in Michael Neville to read, um, but there's some Deeply unsettling stuff in there. Just like even stuff that's portrayed as quite sweet, there was an is there was an issue. There uh, is an issue. I don't know how much you've read, but there's an issue in Second Omnibus or Second Absolute rather, where Abby like picks off um like some sort of fungus or fruit from something and just casually eats it, and it's supposed mm. to be like this really sweet moment. As they're a couple in love, but I just find it really unsettling. Mm. Yeah, that's one of those classic runs that I need to read. I would highly recommend it if you're fa- especially if you're, f- the, the absolute editions, if you're a fan of that format, they're gorgeous.
0: Mm. I've definitely um, in sort of recent couple of years tried to read a lot of the classics, or like, so, like the really popular ones. Um, like, last year I read Saga, and towards the start of this year I read Invincible, and then over the summer, I read the first um, Sandman book. Because mm-hmm. on the Netflix show, DC put out these... Um, it was like...
1: The giant heads.
0: Yeah, um, like the thick paperbacks. So they have like 20 issues each, and there was, there was four of them for the main run. And so I read the first one of those, and there were some issues in there where it gets very disturbing. Like, yeah.
1: Like a uh, new game is yeah. mm, there, there was one issue There's towards... A the diner the- issue. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, well, well, yeah. So, so the the diner issue, I thought that was bad, and then they got to the issue with the cereal convention. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, oh my, this is it was like sickening almost. Yeah, I was like people... this is this is this is an Sorry, issue, no. all right. Sorry,
1: yeah, yeah. I uh, know, I like people who watched the Netflix show and loved it. I said they actually pulled back a bit. They actually pulled back quite significantly on some aspects, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, no, like there's, there's like even the stuff on the show is quite dark, but they 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 do pull back, uh, especially on the diner, but the, the stuff in the diner in an episode of sandman is not half as rough as the the issue. And I can understand why. Uh, and people are like aghast at this that I tell that to. There's an issue, I can't remember what number it is um in the penultimate art of the main series that followed. Did, have you ever heard of a uh, comic series or comic character called Prez? I don't know. It doesn't ring a bell. Well, it was like a 70s or 80s book, and they they, re- they revamped it like 10 years ago or something, Mark Russell wrote it, where it's like a 16 or 17 year old is present, and he's great at it. And Simon dedicates an entire issue to this premise as a tribute that's drawn by Mike Allred. Ooh. And it's deeply unnerving in some places because it's like this kind of cutesy 80s, 70s, 80s concept through Neil Gaiman Nightmare Fuel. And there's some Mm. deeply unsettling moments, but there's this figure that was the main villain in the original comic Smiley, who has the body of a normal human man but has this giant kind of like, almost like Walmart smile face. Mm. And he's like he's like the the voice of like uh, the status quo that Prez is trying to get rid of and trying to change, uh, and he's like going, "No, d- 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 if you sign up with me, you'll live forever, and da 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 da, and it'll be great. We'll have fun." And then Prez is like, "No, go to hell!" And he's like, yeah, "I'll destroy you and everything you love and care about in the most nightmarish way possible." It's it's brilliant, and there's some deeply unnerving stuff in that. That's not until like the sixties or. 50s or so. I, I can't remember the exact number. Yeah. I, I definitely want to pick up
0: the uh, other three volumes eventually. I think I heard something where they're doing a fifth volume with some of the extra material, other material, which would be cool. It, well, they I did heard?
1: five They did five absolutes, so that would make And the fifth episode has um, Endless Nights, oh. which is a mini where every issue is about a different member of the, the Endless. Um. Mm. It actually has one of my favorite dream stories uh, in it, um, and chronological, kind of chronologically rather, it's the earliest like appearance of most of these characters. Hmm. Uh, and um, what was I going to say? Uh, the, it, there's also like a painted volume that's an adoption from like a short story, and there's lots of stuff, amazing stuff in that fifth, fifth absolute. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that in the fifth trade.
0: Yeah, because there's just so many formats that's available in now. There's, like, the original trades, the new thick trades, the omnibus, the absolutes, the deluxe editions. Yeah. Well, it's one of especially,
1: those that, mm,
0: yeah. Especially with the advent of the show, they put out an extra couple of formats, like the trades and the deluxe
1: editions. So, Well, like that and, like, the likes of Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns or Long Halloween and that, they, mm. DC has done so many different editions, like, yeah. Uh, Hush as well, like the noir edition, where it's just like black and white, it's just the pencils and the inks. Um And it's just, like I joke that they've done so many different versions of Watchmen that eventually we'll get to like the Watchmen, the Upside Down edition. Mm. And, it's just, and I can see why, because they always sell. They always always mm. sell. I think Court of is
0: one of those where I'm. All, yeah. I feel like I'm always hearing some new format that Court of is available there.
1: I had the pleasure of bringing uh, because I got I got it when it first came out. But I sold the first 11 issues of that Batman run so I could get the absolute because I'm not a fan of double dipping. It's fine if you want to it, but I, I don't see the sense of it. But I brought it to Dublin Comic Con and got it signed by uh, Scott Snyder. That's cool. Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice, man. Yeah,
0: I, I would love to meet him someday. If you had a thought p- bubble? Oh,
1: thought bubble? It rings a bell. Like oh yes, I Yorkshire Convention in England. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. Mm. I I know a lot of people that go up to that. It would just, um, it just would have to be time off work and time on the boat. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, a hotel because I live in uh, there's where we can have some conventions in Dublin that are pretty. Good, conventions in Belfast or Tosh, but the, the conventions in in Dublin are usually pretty good and they get pretty good guests. I met the that last one. I met. Um, Snyder, Brian Azzarello, Will Sliney, uh, just name dropping casually, Um Felicia Day, Declan Shelby, but he's ours, so he's an easy one to get, and so is Will Sliney. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, So I've been been very lucky in regards to the guests we've had, um, but... I would love to go to a bigger con in England. Mm. Back to, go back to America to meet more people. Those those cons are always really full. they're a bit overwhelming. Like I was at New York Comic Con twenty twelve, and huh. it was a bit overwhelming. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things when I first heard about Thought Bubble last year, and the amount of like creators who were, like, I was like, oh, I absolutely love all these people, and then so it's like up in Yorkshire, and it's like. Uh... Like like even this year where, um, from my summer job, uh, I worked at I could probably afford it if if I like really wanted to. But logistically, it's like a five-hour train ride from the south of England up there. So it's not exactly something that. And like especially, um, thing is like I'm not sure if if I was going with someone, then logistically it might be easier to work out because you, you feel like you've got someone to. Um, but like be with and like work things out with. But if you're just all sort of going on your own, it's quite a lot of yeah. Um, quite a long journey and quite a long, quite a lot to organise. what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm deeply considering going to New York Comic Con in 20. Well, I'm not considering. I would like to go to New York Comic Con in 2023. Um, but it's just the thought of traveling that far. Mm, thing, but I, I, I do know. think I do really want to go because I'd have I to know. buy to england probably to fly to new york because they don't fly in directly america from northern ireland anymore oh yeah that's true i've done it before it's not it's not usually a huge deal but it's just it's just an extra thing to have to do but Mm, uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have to start really thinking about it maybe in like uh next july because that's when you have to start cooking things before they go crazy but new york comic-con 2012 was a lot of fun um I met a lot of great, like, uh, creators at, at that one and uh, a lot of cool, like, sort of uh, media slabs as well. Have you been to, do you do much convention? Have you ever been to a convention before?
0: No, honestly, there there isn't, like, a whole lot Um, sort of down here. I mean, of course, apart from, like, the London ones, like MCM and things, which would probably be the closest, but the only thing with those is that, from what I've seen before, they're quite like film and TV orientated. Like yeah, I think that's well, what appealed to me about Thought Bubble is that I could like see all the comic writers and artists I know. Whereas comics. Whereas with like um MCM or, or like um some of those conventions, it's like, oh you can meet so and so from the MCU. It's like, oh I mean that's
1: fine, but it's like that's not really I don't want to it. meet Aris Guardian number five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean there used to be a thing down south uh, in Ireland uh, the comic shop called uh, Big Bang Comics um, used oh, yeah. to do a thing called, like, like, they haven't done it for a long time they did a, a thing called uh, Dice and they got that was very heavily comic oriented and they got a lot of big creators and one year I went down and they had some fantastic people down there they had like uh, Becky Cloonan, Paul Cornell Ed Rubik before he hit it big um else did they have um I'm trying to think now um my brain's uh, failing me but the, and then one year they had snyder and capullo and they had dan slot one year i didn't get down to those ones unfortunately the year i the year i went i think i can't remember who the big cast was that I, I went mm. yeah. i might come to me but yeah they all i always really enjoyed that um, but they they sort of more focused on like getting people into the shop um, throughout the year, rather than hosting one big thing with lots of people, and you do get hmm. to meet great like indie creators and check out. And I mean, obviously, um, we're in the age of the internet and Kickstarters and Webtoon and stuff. It gives so many options to creators, but uh, it's nice to go to these comic cons and sort of go around the comic markets and check out creators you don't know and what works they um they they they're kind of offering.
0: Yeah. It's been interesting in that sense, uh, following the you know, comic writer John Lee's his newsletter every Friday, literally around mm. the same time, um, where he's got lots of interesting indie books out there, like you think with like, publishers like AWA, and you sort of seeing the process, and he quite often talks about like like the pitching and like basically just everything really, and, and especially when. Um, I have friends like Lauren and um, the Friendly Neighbour by Friendly Neighbour coming show who's like constantly uh, promoting Kickstarters and like, not just Lauren just like lots of people I follow but, Yeah. The, so the, in the comics community they're all constantly working to like um, help each other out and promote oh, each yeah. other's Kickstarters and there's it's it's interesting that there's, there's definitely like a lot out there that like even beyond just a little more like publishing like the the weekly halls, including indie books. There's so many, like Kickstarters and things out there that are just waiting to be discovered.
1: There's so much. There's so much out there. It's crazy. I mean, the top three hundred doesn't begin to scratch the surface. Um, it's there's so much choice, and it, again, that's why I think comics can seem overwhelming to people that aren't hugely into them or aren't into them at all it's Like, where do you start? And it's and it's yeah, I think you have to kind of find your own. Journey in comics, but you just kind of have to have a starting point. But yeah, there's so many great books out there, and so much, so many companies. The the thing is that I always kind of worry about is you know them fighting for shelf space because again, it will be always mm-hmm. the side of the because again, yeah, comic comic book stores have to pay the bills, and the things that pay the bills is Batman's fighting, and it always probably will be and now and again you get a big success like A Walking Dead or something that's killing children, and that's brilliant because then you do get people picking up those books, and then they're going hey, I like this, maybe I can read something else that's not like superheroes but at the end of the day it will always be like the, the, the uh, especially with the advent of the MCU, like you get people coming in, and and, and this goes as well, asking for characters that 20 years ago no one cared about, like your Iron Man's or your Captain America's well, I say nobody. I'm being a bit facetious, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But um, like they they didn't have the public recognition that they have now. The, like uh, Iron Man is as much recognition now as Spider Man does, which twenty years ago would seem preposterous. Um, but it's, but it is good to see, like especially with the advent of the MCU trying to have more diversity. With like more people being aware of characters like Kamala Khan and you know these fantastic relatively new characters that are sure. made available to people have a bit more representation. But like I mean, I'm like uh, the, the, the 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 average dull white guy, but I love Kamala. I think Kamala Khan is such a great character, and her book uh, under G Willow Wilson, which I still have to finish, is a joy. But I I like that that character exists. Both for uh, girls of the minority race, but also just for girls in general. Like it's always like, whenever I was growing up reading comics, um, female representation was not the best. Um, <laughs> like they were all like buxom ladies that were either in a team book or were like just like the side character. There were there was very rarely, unless it was like Wonder Woman, they would never really get their own book. And I know it it isn't still great and it could always be better, but it's better than, much better than it was, uh, especially with how women are depicted and drawn and characterized has improved so much over a relatively short period of time. Um, But also, yeah, going back to indies, there's so many great indies and OGMs that are appealing to people of minorities, of the LGBTQ plus community, like some of the most successful comics and graphic novels at the moment are people that are uh, appealing to LGBTQ plus and have your Jadzia Axelrods writing stuff like Galaxy. Mm, Yes that that has it it was a book that she would have wanted to read when she was when she was younger and it wasn't there
0: and now it's there
1: for for young even I, I don't even necessarily think you have to be trans to really... Because I love Galaxy. I thought Galaxy was brilliant. Um, but it's so good to have that. because then it's also kind of good to give to young kids who... to I mean, it's not as if kid, young kids have to be educated because kids get it better than adults, I think. Um, but it's it's there to voice things that are either hard to communicate or hard to perceive by people that aren't in that community if um maybe that i'm putting my foot my mouth a little but that's the best way i can kind of it's like there was an issue of supergirl by uh steve or- jerry steve rolanders run that was co-written by Vita Ayala, where uh Cara meets uh, a non-binary person and i had kind of known about non-binary people but i didn't really understand what that meant and this issue was so informative and so brilliant. I was like, this... I remember reading about the podcast uh, on The Revisture at the time, this comic should be given into schools. This comic should be in every school library for kids to be educated and also for kids that don't know... know that there's something not quite right but don't know how to explain it or how to process that. This is the comic for them, and I'm glad that those comics are out there and they're doing so well. And I'm glad that Marvel and DC, for all their faults, seem to be somewhat in tune with that, that they are releasing, you know, these OGNs for younger readers of um, minority uh, sexualities or identities that will mean so much to kids nowadays. Hmm,
0: for sure. And in in some ways that just sort of circles back to um, at least what I was thinking about, I was thinking about books like Winds by Tinian and I well talked yes. about a lot on this episode, where that sort of first volume where it's very explicitly um, the analogue
1: there. Um Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that book's amazing, but it's so unlike mm. again we've we've praised Tinian's horror and superior work with that book is so unlike anything else he does, but it's so good. It's so, so good. And there's, I just love books like, uh, Russell Castle is an OGN that, uh, Ray from Rabbits Do got me for last Christmas. And it's just this world where gay people just are and it's not a big deal. I was like, that was like one of my favorite Netflix, but my, my second favorite Netflix show is She Ran the Princess of Power. And on that show, gay people are, are people of minority sexuality just are and it's just accepted it's not like a big thing and I just love like worlds like that because it's just because I think it's great to have that stuff be common and normalized in these kids tv shows and kids or younger readers fiction because that's how we'll get to that point in reality that it shouldn't be like this huge deal that someone is gay or trans or non-binary I mean, I'm, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not like uh, you know. Again, I'm the dull, average white cis male, uh, straight cis male. I'm preaching to the choir in that regard, you know.
0: I mean, yeah, in in some ways, and it's definitely something that it's because some some people don't necessarily um, feel like they need to that they need to see themselves and um, like. In in some ways that makes sense. There was uh, so like so put it this way, before I discovered um Wiccan and Hulkling, um, if you follow my main Twitter account, Joe Love's Comics on Twitter, uh, you'll see anyway at the moment that it's uh Wiccan and Hulkling is the proper picture and the banner is them the wedding and everything. And oh. so that's definitely something that I've grown to love since I've discovered them. And then since then it sort of opened me up to the um larger queer representation in comics with um especially when marble and dc both started doing their pride specials starting last year and just as i've sort of which sort of goes hand in hand with discovering further the indie comics community and and so on the different lots of queer comics out there both indie and at Marvel and dc and it's something that it wasn't like i was missing anything personally. Um, like I was still like enjoying comics just the same, but it is just sort of enhanced that I yeah. have, yeah. characters and and stories to aspire to, and I mean obviously I don't want to speak for anyone, but I'm sure it's a very similar thing in terms of those sorts of stories, um, and like how they speak to people, not not even just um from that sort of point of view, but just in general that. Um, stories can sort of speak to people that have been through a particular experience or um, that sort of have characters that reflect them in, in any way, it's uh, like you, people sort of have conversations about characters like Batman and Spider-Man and Superman, which generic feels like the wrong word, but sort not of the idea of like Spider-Man is like, oh yeah, like anyone can wear the mask, like sort of like, every man, you can sort of like project yourself Onto him, yeah. and that's good I, I love that, but then it's sort of Im- implied or th- there's something more special and more thing where it's like explicitly like this is this is I can see myself in there. um yeah, and this is like there's th- there's a certain uh joy in terms of comic reading um to that and I do hope that um everyone can sort of eventually see themselves and find that part of them like the new tim drake robin series i Mm. just picked up the second issue of that today as as of recording but and that's been great to see um his growing relationship with bernard and all of that it's just yeah i love it it's adorable it's it's very special to see and it it does mean a lot and yeah
1: Uh, it's great to hear that i mean you know Like, Young Avengers, you spoke about Mm. uh, Billy and Teddy. That was so far ahead of his time. Um, Mm. I remember when that first came out, and I remember Alan Heimberg, who was the writer, speaking about how it was going to be a big reveal towards the end of the the initial 12 issues that Billy and Teddy were a couple. But, like, it was like the first or second issue, it was probably the second or third issue, sorry, they started to get letters, and everyone got it. Right away. Yes, exactly. Because there's a loads. There's so many uh, cute moments between the two of them, in just those first team issues that and the characters have such great chemistry. It's mm, hard not to see it. Even
0: their first introduction, like there's a bit of. Um, if 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 they weren't together, it would almost be considered flirting. But it's such yes. a relationship dynamic that
1: it's very then, like cutesy and. So like so, like by issue four or five or six or so, whenever stature joins the team uh and can they're they're rethinking their code names, they do just casually just mention that Billy and Teddy are a couple, and then later on, I think it's the first series uh it's either Billy or Teddy or is basically trying to tell his parents something else. I think he's trying to tell them that he's basically an alien, but they think he's coming out, and they're just, like, accepting. And it's it's yes. actually really funny. Um, Remember that. Like, like so that this, uh, this stuff now that you get all these idiots that are complaining about has been going on. I mean, obviously, like, gay characters predate Young Avengers. <laughs> but, like, this is, like, this was so far ahead of its time. In regards to representation, and um, got so much praise of the depiction of Billy and um, Teddy. I remember as well the the Young Avengers special. The Heimburg wrote, but it was all different artists drawing. Um, hmm. diff- like, and you had some grit. You had like Jay Lee drew uh, Billy's story, and I've um, and I think there was a uh, Gene Han there somewhere, and maybe Gene Colon as well. And there's this, I think. If again, it's been a hot minute since I read it, but I think there's this moment where Teddy has a crush on someone on the football team, and he's really badly rejected. Um, and because he like changes his appearance because he's a ship to to be more physically appealing. Um, and it, I remember that being really like poignant. Um, when I first read it, and this was like many, like when the first hardcover came out, so it would have been like two thousand four or five. So you know, it's so far ahead of its time, and it's just expanded from there. And I, you know, um, Ray, I, I was at the Isle House. Um, I don't know if you watched the Isle House uh panel at New York Comic Con. There were so many young people coming up and going. Your show gave me the strength to come out, or your show gave me the strength to realize who I am, and that was, the, like, Dana Terrace, the creator of the show, wanted to make this show because she didn't have a show like The Owl House when she was growing. Up. Mm. And I and I know so many people as well that had the same effect from She-Ra, uh, that She-Ra gave them the strength to come out or realise who they are. And that's just, just like, the stuff like that's just wonderful to me. Like, I, I'm I'm a very simple, simple guy. I, I just want people to be happy, and I don't see why People don't want people to. They think that people, other people, living their lives in a different way or being in a, uh, being in a way that maybe isn't seen as conventional, is gonna make them unhappy when it's nothing to do with them. You know, I just want people to be happy. I don't see why anyone should take that away from someone. So it's great to have these comics, uh, these great graphic novels that are successful. I think probably these. LGBTQ plus graphic novels are probably the hottest ticket in the comics at the moment, Um, are really capturing people's readers' imagination and getting all the praise they deserve. I've read, you know, so many great young adult graphic novels like uh, Galaxy or Deep and Dark Blue or um, Girl Haven or Russell Castle that has such great representation and great approach to these themes and, matters that uh, and it's some of the, the best comics you'll read and they all are brilliant and very successful that. and again it's just great to see mm. and I have yet to
0: read any of their works but I know the Comics Collective Podcast has been a big pusher of Tilly Walden's work and I, I hadn't actually heard of them before they started promoting them on, on their podcast mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something that I need to read. My uh, housemate actually has a copy of On a Sunbeam, which I need to borrow at some point to read because yeah, I think I that's the first one they along. covered. Yeah, yeah. And so that's definitely, I think there's lots of uh, representation in those books. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you say, there's definitely lots of, it's quite uh, an, an ideal format almost for just sort of getting those things out there, whether they can be. Um, yeah, like hopefully as well, I, I like it like in a wider audience, maybe in bookstores and things. Hopefully, um,
1: yeah, you know something's resonating when you go into a general bookstore and it's there. Because I remember when, well, it's still, you still get it. You go into a bookstore here in the UK and they've got like ten volumes of Walking Dead, and that's how you know. And they've got like five volumes of Something is Killing the Children, and this is how you know that this is a good selling comic
0: because it's well
1: represented right. in a mainstream bookstore. But you do see, like, your Galaxies, your um, Girl Havens, uh, your Heartstoppers. Obviously, heart has been a huge success for Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, so, uh, it's, just, it's just brilliant. You know, I, I'm really excited for, you know, because obviously there's been a lot of criticism thrown at the MCU for its lack of diversity probably right up until Black Panther and then they're still like they were wanting more female oriented stuff and more minority oriented stuff and more LGBTQ+ plus uh stuff and now we're slowly starting to get that um and uh kaitlina i should kaitlina and obviously we're, we're we've got billy as a kid billy the kid mm-hmm. um, but we're going to get billy the young avenger pretty soon i would expect with kang coming Teddy, I would be very surprised if he doesn't show up in Secret Invasion, because that seems like it makes the most sense. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, because, and then, well, we're, we're, and so the gang's nearly all here. We, mm. I think we've got pretty much everyone else um, from that initial cast, because obviously Cassie's probably going to get her powers in Quantumania. Mm. So we've gotten nearly the whole the whole group. We're, we're the major. The only major element missing is Teddy, and I, I think Teddy's probably coming very soon. So I think once Wiccan and Hulkling are in the MCU, that'll get a lot of people attention, and and you'll be people like yourself that'll see themselves represented in such a big way. There's uh, obviously they'll probably be introduced in a like TV series, um, but I would they'll eventually be seen in a movie. They'll be seen as a couple in a movie, and you know that's, that that's just and that'll be great. I remember this stupid thing where um, in Eternals they had um, the guy kiss his husband, and there was a guy going, "I had to close my eyes because," blah, blah, blah. and you know there's gonna be. There's going to be a this like actual long-term romantic gay relationship in the MCU eventually, sooner rather than later, and and so and it's going to be great to see. Hopefully more than one because, again we we in this house we ship Kate Lena, yeah, and that sort of
0: speaks to ideally being something that isn't just some sort of five second um exactly. spotlight that can be that can be cut out for uh, homophobic countries. Nice.
1: But, Still want yeah, to show you can, Disney Films. It's a featured it's a featured thing. Um mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a main it's actually a main subplot. Um and you can get a young Avengers movie or a young Avengers TV show where it's a main thing because their relationship is so important. Like I'll be honest, I don't actually remember a series where the two have been apart. I don't remember like a Hulkling mini or a Wiccan mini. The two have been so closely attached to each other since that initial run that it's really impossible to think of them operating separately. I I don't even... I'm sure they have done... I know that obviously they got married. I'm sure they did do a story arc or two where they broke up or maybe had... Quibbles because it's drama and comics at their base mm. are going to always have drama. But th- those characters are all, they, it's, it, and that's something that I really love, like, just love that they, these guys, find each other, found love, and have just been together, like, in pretty much inseparable ever since. And that's something I, I'm looking forward to seeing come to the big screen. Mm. Whilst we were uh, talking about that sub subject, I just
0: wanted to mention a couple of um, LGBT comics that I've discovered this year. Things like um, Balloom, my first-second books, sort of like, um, set like around a bakery, and that, that was a really cute, like, YA um, oh. a novel that's worth checking out. Um, Paper Girls, oh, uh, so yes, that unfortunately got cancelled after one season, but
1: that uh... was really
0: great. Oh, um Mamo, Boom 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 Studios, Sesame
1: Edge. That's that was adorable. Boom's doing great stuff with with that through Boombox. Mm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Giant Days. And obviously. Mm, yeah, um, not Susan, not Esther. Who's the other one called? What's the other one called. Daisy? Uh, Daisy is, is gay. Um so, yeah. and, and the the book yeah, is just and the book doesn't really treat it as a big deal. And then I read very recently the first hardcover of Lumberjanes. And there's very early... I mean, I've only read the first uh, ten issues or so, but there's very early indications of uh, a lesbian couple. Um, right. uh, and again, this is obviously by uh, one of the writers on that is Nate, Nate Stevenson, who was the creator and showrunner of the, the new version of She-Ra. So I'm So I'm not surprised that there is representation of the wazoo uh, on that book as well and, and again these are with boom boxes specifically for younger readers well all ages um so it, it's great to see those kind of books on offer and readily available and so popular i mean that giant days kickstarter was ridiculously successful and, it's, and, it's, and it was done because libraries love giant days and i know that the focus there isn't the fact that like, because it's about all three of the girls and two of them are straight as far as, far as I'm aware of when only read like, the first 30 issues um, but it's still a big element to it and obviously people are responding to that positively uh, and that's great to see that, they, that, that you do hear a lot of noise in regards to hatred and bigotry but thankfully that seems to be really the minority these these types of books seem to be coming right ahead which is fantastic to see. For sure. Is
0: there anything else that you have to say about this sort of subject or, um, or conversation?
1: I so. No, I don't think so.
0: Are there any more books in particular that uh, you want to highlight, um, horror books or anything in particular you've read this month that you think people should be um, checking out?
1: Um, apart from the ones I think I've already mentioned, I'm trying to think. Um, Scaling Room, Variance is very good. It's not oh, scary yes. because it's very, it's very good by Gail. Guys, I, I always say with when I'm talking about any other creator, I always go by their last name. But with Gail, it's just Gail. It's weird. Gail Simone and Phil Nudo. Uh, I think that's. I'm a big fan of Jessica Jones. Uh, I think this is the, at least from from what I've read. I didn't read Kelly Thompson's run yet. Uh, but uh, this is the best the character's been written since Alias, uh, the initial run. Um. Uh, what else? I'm trying to... I'm sort of cycling through my... Have you been reading Do a Powerbomb from Danny Warren Johnson? I'm going to very much enjoy reading the hardcover. I've not, but I've seen everyone, including yourself, yeah, the complex troubles, counseling, just rave about Do you know what you're going to... I'm going to lose a lot of credit here. I don't think I've read any of his work yet, but I'm really excited to check out... Rooster, uh, was it Rooster Teeth? No, what was it? The 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 Murder Falcon. One. Murder Falcon. Where did I get Rooster Teeth from? Uh, Murder Falcon. Uh, Murder Falcon. I really want to read Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman book he did. I really want to read the Betty Ray Bell book he did. Pretty much everything he's done, I want to read. Yeah. Um, it's it's just the problem is I have so much in my pals is I'm trying to do oh, yeah. adding to that. Um, I mean, I've been reading uh Harrow County and Black Science for what seems like twenty billion years. And hmm. I keep going, Yeah, I should really finish this book, but I want to check out six criminals. <laughs> you know, so yeah I, I, I and that's a hard thing when you're a comic fan is that, again there's so much out there and there's so much I want to check out, but like money and time and space. Yeah. Uh again my my one day my will turn on me and probably murder me. Um mm-hmm but uh, so like all these books i do want to get to and 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 i think it's great that we have so much choice these days as readers because everything is mm. so readily available but yeah do a power moment is death because i'm i'm i've been a huge fan of wrestling, and i know it isn't really wrestling i know it's a bit it, it's like sort of not a parry that's the wrong word kind of like a caricature is maybe closer to what i'm trying to put across but I, i'm i've heard nothing but amazing things and a wrestling comic book makes all the sense in the world mm, and yeah i've got to be honest i haven't really read much of um his work
0: but it's definitely on the list like things you mentioned i i did read the basically bill trade earlier in the year and that was uh, as good as i expected so i'm very excited to get to murder falcon which because they put a deluxe edition of that
1: didn't they so they did they did yeah not long, really to pick that up i, was, mm, I also did, uh, when i was reading through when I was reading for Deathstroke, they did a crossover of Teen Titans, and I really liked yeah. uh, This was my first major exposure to Crush, uh, Lobo's daughter. Um, yes. And I liked her a lot, um, and I, I think I, I really want to check out the um mini that's... Um, I had her even a second ago in my mind, but now it's gone. Uh, Maki, I think. Marco Tomaki wrote, yeah. I really want to check that out. Same. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. And also
0: ties back nicely into the conversation about representation, LGBT. Plus yeah, exactly.
1: There's, plus. A, there's another gay character that's just a gay character and it's not a big deal. Uh, and I, I really need to be, read more of Tamaki's work in general. I've mm-hmm. not read same. much much of hers. Um, I want to read uh, Her Detective, but I, I have to finish Tamaki's run. Um, but I want to read Her Detective. I want to read... Harley Quinn, Broken Glass, uh, and a couple of other things she's done. She's been very prolific at DC the last couple of years, so uh, I'm sure we'll get around to all of it eventually. Mm, yeah, and there's just
0: constantly lots to read. Uh, you saw mentioned yeah. briefly Black Science. I got the first three trades of that. I got in a, middle of a big deal on eBay and then right, right in the stack. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. not quite yet, but...
1: Oh, I love Black Santa so I'll
0: much. i get to the um, moment, so the art looks gorgeous. It it sounds like the sort of comic book that's, like, perfect. It's, I mean, it's hopefully one of those... It sounds like one of those things where it's like, I just know I'm going to absolutely love this, and the art looks gorgeous. So hopefully then it'll be good fun.
1: I'm also loving Deadly Class. I'm looking forward to the last hardcover coming mm. out. So I, um, I read the, I mm, the first hardcover. Of that was one of the things I read over the summer. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so there's so much great stuff out there, and you know, from all all nearly every company, maybe not you Dynamite, um, maybe not you (laughs) Zenescope, um, are putting out amazing stuff. Uh, it's it, it it's just crazy to uh, so readily available. You know, it's like when I was growing up, um, it was really hard to get comics, like really hard. And again, the only ones you could get were big characters like Batman or Spider Man. Now, with the advent of the internet uh, and things like comicsology and things like that, comics are more accessible than ever. Uh, ever, even if you don't want to read any of that stuff, you can. There's so much, so many talented people on Webtoon. Even if you want to read Batman, it's on Webtoon. Um, uh, the accessibility now is better than it ever was, and that that that's great to see. I mean, a lot of people like bemoan the sales of the comic market in the direct market every month which is fair it's pretty pretty rough but you look at go to bookstores you see so much choice you go comicsology, there's so much it's like tv they say tv ratings are worse than ever. it's because people aren't watching tv or digesting tv the way they've been doing throughout history because it's changed so much so rapidly it's the exact same with comics
0: mm, for sure it's yeah is there i don't know I said this a few times is there anything else at all that you want to mention or no, talk no, about
1: I think, or whatever uh, no,
0: I, I like, if you... yeah okay. we've had a pretty extensive conversation it's been, it's been fun Yes, um, yeah it's
1: great talking well, to
0: you yeah thanks uh, where can people
1: find you on twitter if they want to uh, follow I'm you for whatever reason hey okay. <laughs> I'm at, <laughs> at glenn with two n's underscore match at T. you can also if you enjoyed listening to my to my carrying on, listen to me Every week on Rabbit Two Comics, uh, Rabbit Two Ts, we are well past our three hundred fiftieth
0: episode, which is just incredible. It's such a consistent um output, and oh, I've just you. started res- listening to it recently. It's it's great. It's just it's it's nice to um keep an update on the weekly comics because so some of the other podcasts are sort more general all focused on specific comics, but it's nice to have one that so. Sort of keeps
1: tabs on the weekly yeah, going on a, of the... Well, Ray reads everything. Ray reads like mm. that, week. I don't know how he does it.
0: Yeah, some people just read so
1: much. Yeah. Like, it took me about two and a half weeks to read 50, 55 issues of Deathstroke. Um,
0: anyway, yeah, it, it's been... yeah it's, uh, it's been a delight, quite simply. I thought we had a really mm-hmm. fun conversation. Sorry. All Oh. Right, right, see you around else. then. Thanks. Bye. Welcome back. I know it was a long intro and a long segment, quite a long interview. I hope you enjoyed it. So I won't go on too long with this outro. I just want to thank you so much for listening. And unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show five stars, wherever you're listening. I would really appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on new episodes, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments or suggestions, you can email the show at joetalkscomics at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at joetalkscomics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at joetalkscomics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye.